what was it what was it that happened in 1972 and at Shackle Canyon that <laughs> became so important? Well, you know, as, as I said, when I first read the Wingmakers material, I was like, is, it, is this really true? Could this really be true? Once, once I got clear that this is it, I, I'm just absolutely fascinated because when I read the Wingmakers material, it, it opened something in me. It opened some channels that were not open before. It was almost like I got a download or something. For now, just some hikers found um, a strange artifact in the Southwest. And uh, the, according to the Wingmaker story, there is a secret group within the government, within the NSA called the um, ACIO. And the ACIO gets a hold of this artifact. They're the ones make, making sure that nobody knows about UFOs and controlling the information and they have their own purposes. And so anyway, they try to crack this thing, they figure out it was, couldn't find anything, but then years later, um, some hikers stumbled upon um, a crack in a mountain that had opened up and it led them back into these amazing chambers, 23 chambers, where um, they found these artifacts and um, amazing paintings. And the, those who, according to the story, went in were just absolutely blown away. They said these paintings were surreal. They'd almost draw you in and seem to almost speak and even teach you just by looking at them. So apparently, you know, it was quite a magical, magical place. But then once again, this was all under the control of the ACIO who sealed it tightly. But then what happens is one of their linguists started having direct communication with the wingmakers. And this linguist is the one who broke the code. There was a code they couldn't break for many years and they were very frustrated and kind of stopped focusing attention. But once the linguist broke the code, um, then the ACL once again became very interested in what was going on there. And basically, the, because this linguist started having direct communication, he realized, like, wow, the wingmakers were communicating with him that the wisdom shared on the wingmakers website, and it's proved to me the most profound wisdom and spiritual teachings, needs to be out there for humanity. And so eventually he took huge risk because they have very tight security procedures and defected. And once he defected, you know, he, all the material that he had translated, and there's quite a bit, and you can find it all at Wingmaker, not well, all that he put up on the internet at wingmakers.us. And so that's how the whole thing got started. It was uh, uh, December, 1998, I think, when they first put up the website. You're listening to Exopolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala, your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global, and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now, here's Dr. Michael Sala. It's my great pleasure to welcome Fred Burke to Politics Today. I, I've known Fred Burke since... I think it was around 2003, 2004, when we began communicating after the Disclosure Project press conference in 2001, was very inspirational for both of us and played a big role in both of us leaving conventional careers to pursue alternative topics. So welcome to Exopolitics today, Fred. Thanks, Michael. Great to be here and welcome to all of the listeners. Well, I thought it'd be great if we just kind of like introduce you in terms of your background uh, to my listeners. Now, I know you actually worked as a professional interpreter and uh, you specialize in the Indonesian language and you actually got to 
play the role of the interpreter for two U.S. presidents. So why don't you tell us about that? Sure. Um, never dreamed of becoming an interpreter, but I kind of got sick of college and I ended up get, signing up for this program that took me over to Asia. And I lived in Indonesia and I just loved it. And I, and I picked up the language and then actually went to uh, China for a couple of years after that, picked up Mandarin. And actually for a while I did Mandarin as well. But when I came back from those two trips, you know, I mean, I was like 27 when I got back. It's like, oh, what do I want to do now? And a friend told me about this program with the State Department where as an interpreter, because he knew my language was good, you take people around the country on study tours. And so I started doing that and found out, wow, I'm really good at this stuff. I could actually do simultaneous right off. Um, but I decided I'm not going to try to move up the ranks. I'm happy to just do this because it was really a, a fun, great job. But then some things, some kind of magic happened. And next thing I you know, I have three different levels at the State Department. I was moved up to the second level, I don't know, about five years after I started interpreting. And then there was only one top Indonesian interpreter and he was out of town. So they called me, would you be willing to fill in for Al Gore? That was my first high level one in Copenhagen. I said, sure, you know, and since I did that, they had me take the test and I passed and then interpreted for yeah, two presidents and quite a few, uh, you know, two American presidents, lots of presidents from other countries and stuff. And it's a fascinating career to see kind of what goes on behind the scenes. Yes, that's uh, right. So those presidents were President Bush, uh, G.W. Bush and uh, yeah. Clinton, right? Yeah, Bush Jr. and Clinton. Yeah. Did, did, there, did you see anything that is pertinent to the kind of topics that you're interested in today during your professional career? Yeah, actually, it's pretty funny that uh, I was a debunker of all these, you know, intense conspiracy theories and everything uh, up until uh, Disclosure Project, actually. But uh, I, once, once I had my eyes open, I looked back and I realized a couple of things that happened is like, we're actually part of that. And then afterwards, some big stuff happened. And I actually became a whistleblower. And uh, my whistleblowing was actually on the reported on the front page of the Wall Street Journal for a kind of blowing the whistle on the sky in Southeast Asia, who they were trying to turn into a bin Laden. So uh, yeah, it was, it was, it's quite fascinating. Yes, it is very interesting that uh, that same disclosure press conference in May of 2001 played a pivotal role in yes. opening you and getting you to shift your kind of like focus and and it did exactly the same for me and, yeah. and I, I was became totally absorbed in the whole ufo extraterrestrial phenomenon and cover-up same thing with me and what was funny i'll tell you a little back history uh, briefly um in late 2000 i did a lot of like personal growth work and and i really like try to heal all my relationships and stuff and i got to a really good place in my life and i said okay universe i'm ready now for whatever deep dark stuff i haven't looked at yet and it was interesting, within a month of that, the Wingmakers came to me first. And I read the Wingmaker stuff and it just blew me away. And, but I didn't know if the story was real or not. I thought it could be somebody who's really brilliant and, and writing this, this, making up this whole thing to, to give us this wisdom. Um, and it wasn't until actually um, I saw the website starting to be changed just a few months later um, that that really convinced me, oh no, this is something that's real. And then it was just a couple months after that that I watched the Disclosure Project video, and that just blew me away again and put me, just like you, solidly on a whole, changed my whole career. I quit my job at nursing, eventually quit interpreting and focused full time on doing what you're doing, helping people who are willing to look, who want to know, to look deeper under the surface and see what's really going on in our world.
Yes, that was definitely a, a pivotal, pivotal event for, for us. Uh, so in, in February 2003, you, you start a brand new website, wanttoknow.info. Oh, want and yes. and you're, you're discussing a lot of the um, main conspiracy theories at the time, 9-11, free energy, CIA connection to the drug trade. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, you move from that more conventional career to kind of like discussing conspiracy theories. So, you know, what was it that convinced you that this was really the way to go? Well, it I really turned out that it was my life's calling. I, from the time I was a kid, I always felt like I'm here to do something kind of important. I just always had that feeling and I never knew what it was. And it was after watching the National Press Club video and at first volunteering to work for Greer and I found out he has his problems. So I didn't wanna stick with that, but he actually opened my eyes to all these things going on. All the, you know, it wasn't just UFOs that there was this huge media cover up, as you say, new energy, health, all sorts of things. And he said, if you wanna understand what's going on in the world, check out this and this and this, and I did. And then I said, okay, now, I, I very quickly, I got up to speed on a lot of the things that are going on, mind control, I think another key one. And then, um, yes, I, I looked around and scoured the internet and said, who's doing a good job of reporting sort of verifiable information on all this stuff? Because there's a lot of, you know, I do think there are people who are kind of conspiracy nuts, if you want to call it that, that just believe everything that comes their way. I want to find what's the reliable information that can be verified and I found out nobody was, there's a lot of good websites like Greer's that were covering certain topics. Like there's a good new energy website. There's a good UFO website, good one on exposing media cover-ups, but none of them were doing what I felt like was a really good job of covering all of it. And so that's why um, soon it became very clear to me that this is my life mission to present this information, the big picture, not just UFOs of what's really going on in the world and have it all in one website for those who want to know which is why it's called want to know that info. Well, I remember consulting uh, want to know back in the day, and it was very helpful in, in kind of like understanding and some of the more conventional or some of the more controversial stuff, like the, like the d- drug trade and the CIA connection to the drug trade. Yes. And, and that was very important as far as the UFO phenomenon was concerned. So, you know, anything about that that you found? Well, yeah, you know, the drug trade, it, it, you probably know that the, the military was secretly smuggling uh, heroin and, and other drugs in the dead bodies of uh, soldiers. And I've had numerous eyewitnesses tell me about this. And so it's, it's pretty undisputable in my opinion. Now, of course, can, is that really reliable? It's just, I've talked personally to these people, so I'm convinced. But anyway, so there's, there's dark forces on this planet. And those dark forces want to push us as far into separation as we can go. And it can really mess things up. And I think that's what's happening here. The dark forces are having their day with these, the drug tra- trafficking there. And of course, covering up the whole UFO thing. I think you and I would agree that uh, there's some really wonderfully benevolent ET extra dimensional beings out there. But there are also others, which I didn't initially believe, but now I'm pretty convinced that it would want to screw around with us. And um, it's, it's funny, my own personal belief is that it's kind of like Star Trek, where you, you've got the, uh, oh, who's the bad guys in Star Trek? 
not the Klingons, the new ones. Um, I can't remember the name anyway. You got your, your, your bad species are quote unquote bad, you know, screwing around. But then there's the Galactic Council, which is over, overseeing everything and making sure that things don't go really out of whack. So um, yeah, it's, it's just been a whole fascinating journey for me to going from being more or less a debunker of all this stuff to becoming somewhat of an expert and compiling all this information. And the best part about the website is people from around the world find it and contact me and numerous really wonderful insiders have reached out to me. I'm sure you've had this too, that give me personal information that even though I may not be able to use it on the website, helps me to understand what's going on in our world. Yeah, one of the things that I noticed you focused on from the get-go was uh, you, you looked at all of this as kind of part of a consciousness war, that it wasn't just, you know, free energy suppression, the CIA involved in the drug trade, cover-up of UFOs, extraterrestrial life, that there was a consciousness aspect to all of this, kind of like a war. And I think you were a kind of pioneer in coming up with ways to raise consciousness as a solution to these problems, as opposed to others that were just trying to expose what was going on. Right. And I, I avoid the term war because to me, it's not a war. It's more like the yin and the yang symbol, that there's darkness and there's light. And it's actually the, the purpose of darkness to cause chaos and to cause separation. And without separation, you and I wouldn't be here. Right, really, if we were all one, as some people say, we wouldn't exist. There would just be one. But I think we're all interconnected. So to me, it's, it's really valuable that the darkness causes chaos. It causes separation. But my own feelings, we went too far. And the light is really focused on bringing love and, and shining, uh, you know, sort of uh, knowledge, wisdom on us. And it's that dance between the two that can look like a war. But to me, it's actually a cosmic dance. And I think the wingmakers speak to this. The wingmakers speak that everybody in their core is, is a beautiful, has a beautiful divine essence, everyone. I have zero doubt of this. And I live my life doing my best to see that divine core in everyone. And, and the, the wingmakers really strengthened that in me. So why don't you tell us about the wingmakers? Because I mean, that played a big role in your awakening and moving away from a conventional career into this kind of alternative conspiracy consciousness raising kind of genre so you know what, what was it what was it that happened in 1972 and at Shackle Canyon that <laughs> became so important well you know as, as I said when I first read the Wingmakers material I was like is, it, is this really true could this really be true because it was I wasn't yet up on all the stuff going on but, uh, you know, once, once I got clear that this is it, I, I'm just absolutely fascinated because when I read the Wingmakers material, it, it opened something in me. It opened some channels that were not open before. It was almost like I got a download or something. And I feel a real affinity. In fact, I just want to take a moment to invite the Wingmakers and any other higher energies to be here with us, even as we share and connect here. So yeah, I'm so grateful for this information. By the way, um, for those who don't know, the, the Wingmakers, to see the original Wingmakers website, it's at wingmakers.us. And because it changed quite a bit and the current one at wingmakers.com is quite changed and we'll get into that. But um, for now, just some hikers found um, a strange artifact in the Southwest and uh, the, according to the Wingmaker story, there is a secret group within the government, within the NSA called the um, 
ACIO. And the ACIO gets a hold of this artifact. They're the ones making sure that nobody knows about UFOs and controlling the information and they have their own purposes. And so anyway, they try to crack this thing, they figure out it was, couldn't find anything. But then years later, um, some hikers stumbled upon um, a crack in a mountain that had opened up and it led them back into these amazing chambers, 23 chambers where um, they found these artifacts and um, amazing paintings. And the, those who, according to the story, went in were just absolutely blown away. They said these paintings were surreal. They'd almost draw you in and seem to almost speak and even teach you just by looking at them. So apparently, you know, it was quite a magical, magical place. But then once again, this was all under the control of the ACIO who sealed it tightly. But then what happens is one of their linguists started having direct communication with the wingmakers. And this linguist is the one who broke the code. There was a code they couldn't break for many years and they were very frustrated and kind of stopped focusing attention. But once the linguist broke the code, um, then the ACIO once again became very interested in what was going on there. And basically, the, because this linguist started having direct communication, he realized, like, wow, the wingmakers were communicating with him that the wisdom shared on the wingmakers website, and it's to me the most profound wisdom and spiritual teachings, needs to be out there for humanity. And so eventually, he took huge risk because they have very tight security procedures and defective. And once he defected, you know, he, all the material that he had translated, and there's quite a bit, and you can find it all at Wingmaker, not well, all that he put up on the internet at wingmakers.us. And so that's how the whole thing got started. It was uh, uh, December 1998, I think, when they first put up the website. And it immediately drew, drew a lot of attention, and immediately the bunkers were out hard time. And you, if you go and do some searches, you can see all the debates that went on. Is it real? Is it not? And it was pretty strongly controlled. And then everybody, most people, except people like me, were convinced that, oh, it was just you know, a debunked story. But it so changed my life. There's no way you can tell me that this was just debunked material. It was just, it had this information that I have never seen anywhere that shifted me on such a profound level. I had no doubt that, it, that somehow these sources were real. Right, and, and just so for those that don't know, the ACIO stands for Advanced Contact Intelligence Organization, which is a, a branch of the National Security Agency, which was set up to manage this whole project that was called Ancient Arrow, given that name. Now, what's very kind of like fascinating about, about this was that this was part of a colony that was set up around what was it 800 AD 750 AD is when they believe it was yeah right so so there's a colony that's set up there with the Anasazi Indians and this involved well the ACIO thought that these were ETs or or time travelers so you maybe want to clarify exactly who was that set up this colony and created uh, like a time capsule right yeah, for a long time, the STIO didn't know. They didn't know what this was and who was, who was building. It was obviously um, off planet, but they really weren't sure. Um, and it was this linguist who, once he unlocked all of the language in these uh, capsules, there was 23 chambers. 
that they found in this crack in the cave that were carved back in the mountain with highly sophisticated materials that they could not even figure out what they were and the paints were something they had never seen before. So yeah, it was um, quite a sophisticated oper operation and according to the Wingmaker story, they are humans from the future. Apparently about the year, somewhere in the 28th century, humans sent, they had the time travel and uh, in, in the interviews, uh, they suspect that actually the ACIO was a future, uh, I'm sorry, the Wingmakers were a future version of the ACIO coming back to try to help itself in some ways, but also to you know get them back on track because they weren't serving humanity anymore. They were so focused on some other things. That, that is fascinating because I just recently did a, a webinar on bulls of records, you know, the evidence that the ancients, the Atlanteans, and even earlier civilizations, the Hyperboreans, left these halls of records for a future time when humanity would be ready for that lost knowledge yes. uh, and the technologies. But here you actually have an example of future humans doing pretty much the same thing. And you know, rather than calling it a hall of records, you know, it, it's a time capsule. But right. again, having advanced knowledge and information, I thought right. that was very interesting. And it kind of raises the question, well, you know, we often think of the past, the present and the future as this kind of linear progression. Mm -hmm. um, but really, it, it, it tends to suggest that, well, maybe there's a kind of like, you know, and others talk about the past, the present and the future all happening at the same time. I remember the Seth material with Jane Roberts talked about that, that they're right. all happening at the same time. So is, could this be just an example of that, that what we're witnessing right now, you know, whether it's a hall of records, whether it's a time capsule from the future, we're, we're having this kind of like phenomenon where future humans are connecting with present humans who are, who are also in connection with past humans. Right. It's very mind boggling. Right, and this is why to me it was so hard to swallow that this could be real when I first found the information. You know, time travel, can that really be real? I mean, time just seems so linear in our normal everyday reality. But I'm sure most of our listeners and you and I have had experiences both on sacred medicines and off where time gets very warped or distorted or, you know, deja vu. And you start realizing like, wow, maybe time is not so linear. And somehow the wingmakers claim to learn to have mastered this enough that they could actually transport them back to 750. And I think that 750 was something, I'm guessing something to do with the Anasazi, that they were doing some sort of deep, profound groundwork with the Anasazi, which is why they went back then. That's just speculation. And then they knew that apparently it was gonna be found when it was. And uh, would they kind of, because they're from the future, they had some idea, but I don't understand how that works. You know, how can the future come back and influence the past? And how does that not change the future? And how does that all work? I don't know, but I do know that time is not what we think it is. Uh, definitely, yeah, that there's a kind of interaction. And, and I, I've always found that the, the set material kind of explained this really well, Yes. yes. How, how, how the present and the past or the future are all interconnected and even right now like you know you talking and me talking uh, you know we're also communicating with our higher selves you know that, that our higher well actually not so much the higher self but the but the future self our future selves mm -hmm. that in the future uh, somehow that is influencing our trusts the connections the networks that we create so you know the, there's this kind of future aspect to all of this yeah. as well 
Um, so yeah, anything you, you want to kind of like oh, add yeah, to that? Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's fascinating stuff. And Michael Newton's material, Michael Newton, Journey of Souls. Um, he has some just amazing stuff. And Robert Monroe, of course, with the Monroe Institute, that really gives a whole different view on time and what happens when you get out of body. Uh, Michael Newton, what happens when you die and the time between death and rebirth. And you start looking at time in a very different way. I remember reading Robert Monroe's book, Far Journeys, one of the best books I've read. And he talks about coming in as a soul. He was, he says his soul was from another planetary system where it was all about playing with music and harmonies. But he was taking a vacation to visit these other planets. And he and his buddy came to earth as part of this vacation. I mean, and it was just observing, but he said, I wanna go in and incarnate there. And he goes in and incarnates in the, I think it was the 19th century as a woman. Spends a whole lifetime there, pops out, his friend is still waiting, and time again. And uh, Monroe says, that was really great, but I was a woman. And it was like, like the man had all the power. And I want to see what it was like. What it'd be like to be a powerful man. His next lifetime, he chose in, in BC times to be a warrior in like back in Greek and Athens days. And so he was a warrior in this triad. So, But the fact that like, wait a minute. His first lifetime on earth was in the 18th century and his second lifetime was like fifth century BC. And it's like, oh, of course, just never even thought about it. But, um, you know, if reincarnation is real, it doesn't have to be sequential. So there's another twist that's like, what is this, um, you know, time travel and how does it work? And what is time? And how is it that we get so convinced in this dense reality that it's just linear? So this brings me to the actual additional chambers that were what was it 1993 uh, so the, the original Chaco Canyon uh, artifact is discovered in 72 there's a kind of connection with ETs or future humans they're not quite sure 1993 comes along there's this discovery that you you've identified and you have these 23 chambers that are organized in a particular way and that one of the chambers or the the 23rd chamber has certain yeah. disc cylinders that have records One key. on them. They call it the key. I forget the, the full name. Yeah. So yeah, why don't you explain, you know, the, the connection between the 23 chambers and, and the and the 23rd chamber that has uh, the optical discs with all of the information on it. Right. I, I would just first mention that you can read the story on wingmakers.us and it's quite fascinating. Wingmakers.com, they've changed the story quite a bit. So the original story but yeah, in the 23rd chamber, every chamber had an artifact. And each of those artifacts contained, it was like um, a hard disk, but a hard disk, an extra dimensional hard disk um, that had all this information in it. And they couldn't figure out how to crack it. They knew that it had this information and there was definitely enough coding and stuff that like, but then, so this guy who was fluent in 23 languages or something like that um, was able to go in and it took him years and the communication with the waymakers to finally be able to decode it. And that key, and they knew this all along that it was the key. Once they decoded that, they could decode all the other chamber stuff. So they weren't successful in decoding anything until they got that key. And then they were able to um, decode a lot more. And the, the original promise when they put up the website was they would add more, you know, as, as they could, because they, they only put up the information from the first two chambers. Although they put up the paintings from all of them and the poetry from all of them, which is quite fascinating. And the music, which I never got the music. Unfortunately, I didn't know how to download music when I first found this stuff back in 2001. 
so yeah, it's it's quite a fascinating story, and it's it's much more detailed than we're making it for the purposes of time here. But uh, I encourage people to read it and explore. And for me, some people it's the paintings. I have numerous people tell me, "Wow, I look at those paintings, and these are even just copies on the internet, and it changes something in them." The paintings don't do that for me. I'm, I, they're they're kind of cool, but for some people it's the paintings. Other people it's the poetry. My friend who recommended it to me, it's just the poetry just shook her to the core, you know. And for me, it was the philosophy. So you might want to explore around there and and see see what you think. Um, yeah. Although the philosophy was written in a very esoteric language, uh, most people find it really hard to grasp. And I actually translated it into normal English. Well, I'm very fascinated. Uh, by by the interpretations, because there's a connection to the Sumerian language. Apparently, uh, the translator, that uh, ACO translator, uh, Dr. Anderson, as as I remember him being called, That's right. That's that right. he 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 recognized some kind of Sumerian, and that was the key to translating it all. But but the thing is, so you know, I mean that you know, in translating prose is probably no big deal. Uh, but translating poetry, I mean, that's that's something. So, so, it is. so how did that happen? I mean, how did, how did, was was it he that translated the uh, the prose, the, the history, and all of that uh, from those writings on that on the optical disc, and also the poetry? Well, he, he, apparently, he was the one who had all the all the knowledge and information. I think he had one female assistant who was able to help some. But it was mostly this one guy, you know, he's called Dr. Anderson. He says that's not his real name. And the new website, they call him Neruda. They said that was his real name, but I don't believe that. So, um, yeah, it's apparently this one guy. And again, he's having communication now in his dreams and even in waking state that the wingmakers are helping him to do this. Now, I know there was a, a connection in, in going over that material before this interview, I just kind of reread some of the wingmakers uh, material, and there was a connection to the Pleiadians. So do you remember that? I mean, what, what's the connection between the wingmakers and the Pleiadians, the Pleiadian extraterrestrials? There was some... Don't, I don't remember that being mentioned on the, new, the original website. I could be wrong, but I'm... Yeah, uh, yeah, I have read all the material a couple times, but I'm not remembering mm. anything about the Pleiadians. Okay, all right. Well, you know that that's I, I did go over that the old website. That's all I read, but it, mm -hmm. I mentioned it. But it's a, not so. Oh, you know what? It could be mentioned. Yeah, it's mentioned in the interviews. So, like the material that's actually the wingmakers' material has a certain flavor, and the interviews go into all this other stuff, and where Dr. Anderson is being interviewed by this reporter, and they do talk about the Palladians there. I'm remembering now. Yes. Uh, yes. Thank you. That there was so, uh, a suspicion that they were connected with the, the wingmakers. Well, you know, that's one of the questions I had. Um, you know, those, those interviews. Well, maybe before we get to the interviews, let's just kind of like backtrack and, and look at well, you know, the defection. So, uh, Dr. Anderson, uh, you know, others call him Neruda, whether that's the real name or not, we don't know. But he was with the contact intelligence organization that raised as a child within that organization he went through uh, some sort of brain enhancement technology and incredibly bright and and that that, that they created this elaborate organization uh, within the national security agency called um, the the labyrinth i mean the, the aco was set up to kind of like oversee 
the extraterrestrial phenomena, but the higher echelons of ACO uh, involved the labyrinth group. So you want to talk about who was the, what was the labyrinth group and what was the role of this interpreter within? Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly not remembering if the labyrinth came first and then the SAO or the other way around, but if you read it most recently, you probably have it right. But yeah, so NSA had a certain level of secrecy. They have secret, top secret, but when it come, came to this UFO stuff, it was a whole different level where most people in the NSA didn't even know that this labyrinth and or ACIO existed. And so that formed group formed and apparently the, the top people, they have all these rankings that goes up to, up to one up to 15. And the, there's only one person at the top and they call him 15, who's the head of the whole organization. And so um, I believe uh, the Dr. Anderson was at level 12. He had to be 12 and above to be part of the labyrinth or ACIO, maybe it was labyrinth, I don't remember. And basically what happened was, as I mentioned a little earlier, he's, he started having such deep contact with the wingmakers and it was telling him that humanity needs this. And he was very clear that there's no way 15 would ever release this information. And so that's why he said, I'm sorry, it's more important that this information gets out. Um, then I lose my job and they try to kill me. And he knew they would, if they captured him, they would try to brainwash him or whatever to forget that he ever was involved in the project. This was the first time anybody had ever defected from that organization, according to the Wingmaker story. Yes, yeah, so that was very fascinating. I mean, his, his defection and his connection to the Wingmakers, which kind of does suggest this future intervention or connection happening right now with the discovery and the uh, interpretation and the release of the material that the wingmakers, you know, if we're talking about a future group of humans, 750 years, that somehow they are connected to the present now. And, and of course, we, we don't know. I mean, the uh, say that the Dr. Anderson, the guy that did the translations, I mean, he could well be a wingmaker uh, from the future that incarnated yes. in this life. And that's why Absolutely. that's why he did what he did, because it took a lot of courage. You, you don't defect from the NSA or the ACIO. Right. right. Well, and I, I have had the same suspicion myself from the level of downloaded and what changed in me that I have some kind of connection with the wingmakers. And I don't know if I'm a reincarnated wingmaker or not, but I certainly, and I know some people do. I don't know if you have that sense. But I think there's a number of people who feel that connection on a very visceral level, soul level. And that's why, you know, it's really interesting to watch how it changed. And of course, one of the big changes was they pulled out all the parts that say Neruda was in contact with the wingmakers. They just briefly mentioned it, whereas he goes into it in quite detail on the old website. And why did they do that? And then, of course, in the changed version on wingmakers.com, which you read now, the the main purpose for these seven um, buried time capsules, the one, like the one that they found there in Southwest US, the reason was military in the new website. The old website never once was military mentioned by the wingmakers. It was nothing of any sort of defense strategy. It was talked about a little bit in the interviews, but that was uh, uh, Anderson talking about it and not, not speaking the words of the wingmakers. So this is what really convinced me. It was, didn't take long to read through. It's like, wow, they've changed the whole thing. They've also changed it, um, as I'm sure you know, from it, it, wingmakers are all about not 
having a hierarchy that we're all equally divine. And when you get that, everything changes. When you see that every being in this universe, everything in this universe is equally divine, you start living in a different plane of existence. That's the Wingmaker's core message. In the new website, it's all, it gets hierarchical and that's all watered way down. And it's about the central race. And central race is where the Wingmakers came from. Whereas in the old version is the Wingmakers of future humanity. So look at how it's sort of separating us. And Michael, you even wrote me a wonderful piece talking about how this, the shift from egalitarian uh, total empowerment of the individual to the hierarchy in the, in the new website. Yeah, that was a very distinct difference I noticed. And, and you've kind of like covered a little bit about that, that, you know, that the original Wingmakers material, and which is all on wingmakers.us, that that really did emphasize uh, the, the individual awakening, uh, like the establishment of a global culture and, and how individuals would be kind of plugged at, into that. Like I think I talked about the sovereign integral. Yes. That, that, that kind of concept was very important. And with the, the changes that happened, and, and you noticed that, I think you were the first one that kind of let me know, because I remember back in the day, I was very interested in the Wingmakers material. I mentioned that in my uh, 2004 book, uh, Exopolitics, Political Implications of the Extraterrestrial Presence, uh, because what convinced me was that, you know, not only was the Wingmakers material kind of pretty compelling in itself, but I came across uh, Daniel Morris Salter, one of the uh, original Disclosure Project witnesses, and, and he talked about the ACIO, and he talked about um, what 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 they were doing and 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 so he was a big supporter of the wingmakers material so that convinced me I that didn't know he, that wow that, yeah. that thank you that's valuable information Daniel Morris was it? yes yeah Daniel um, Daniel Morris Salter he's one of the original witnesses and if you look at the disclosure project uh, the disclosure book that Stephen Greer put together with a sixty plus. Uh, whistleblower yes. testimonies in there he's he's one of those and he in there he talks about the ACIO because he worked for the NSA and so he talked about them and he talked about the black the black monks too so I assume the black monks is black monks uh, are probably this labyrinth group that he was referring to could be yeah so so that convinced me that this this is real stuff and so yeah I, I looked at it and and when you said that the original wingmakers material had been changed and and incorporated this this new element you know national security threat from these extraterrestrials that would show up in 2012 mm -hmm. and that there was this kind of central race and somewhere in the galactic core or the central universe lyricus teaching uh, order lto that's all new oh, yes. kind of that yeah yeah, and so, so it was so all about on. finding your teacher. When the Wingmaker's philosophy, you read it and it's so clear, it's moving beyond the teacher-student paradigm, that that's where we're headed. And yet it's so funny, the new website is all, all about, yeah, let's look up to these other beings who are gonna guide us and save us basically. And that there was also this grand portal where suddenly we're gonna prove that the soul exists, which I have no need of. And many of us, why do we need this soul proven? But anyway, that's a big deal on the new website that in 2050, they're going to discover proof of the soul and that's going to change everything. And again, you're looking to the future, waiting for some savior. 
Whereas the wingmakers are all about, no, it's right now. It's in this ever unfolding moment. That's where the magic is. It's in seeing every person and having gratitude for everything around you. When we live from that place, life changes and we get to experience life from this expanded perspective that I think you and I both have felt, Michael, and it's just an amazing gift to have. Yeah, I think that's very important what you, what you just said. Uh, when there's material that gets you to look outside of yourself for answers, for solutions, then you, you've got to look at that as, you know, take a second look at that. That's a, that's a red flag, which is why I never supported the Nasara and Jasara yes. initiatives, because it's yes. the same thing. It's, it's like you look outside of yourself Absolutely. for kind of like uh, financial, economic relief and salvation and all of that. And, and you know, this is the way pyramid schemes operate. You, yes. you kind of like, you trust someone else or someone's idea or something that's unfolding as opposed to looking within yourself because if you, if you want financial security look within yourself trust your inner guidance trust your bliss trust your yeah. your inner creative impulses because that will look after you and sure it'll be an adventure maybe maybe you'll have to live on the bleeding edge for a few years <laughs> that's right. what happened to me and probably i think you could uh, empathize yes. with that but yes. eventually it'll turn out okay yes yeah i would i would only add to that that the internal is extremely important, but the external, let's not put down the external too, because our higher guidance, to me, there's an inner guidance and you can go deep, deep, deep. And there's such deep inner wisdom. You can go all the way, go all the way into our original source by going in, but also our higher guidance, our spirit guides and all these expanded dimensions do have something. And even some of these benevolent ETs, I felt communication from them. So I think it's about finding a balance that the, I would say that, yes, it's actually more important to do the inner work but the outer can really help us do the inner work as well. Yeah, very, very important. Um, you know, I, I should share a kind of inter interesting anecdote because uh, at, at that time in uh, 2001, when the Disclosure Project press conference was held, I, I wanted to go. I wanted to go in to, to, the, to watch the press conference. And uh, I was like uh, teaching at the university at the time. And I, I was, I, was, I was experimenting. I was kind of like communicating with my higher self using the pendulum and so forth. And I get the message not to go, not wow, to go. Wow, interesting. And, and I got the message instead to meditate, continue working on your inner self and, and wow. strengthen that communication. And so I thought that, oh, okay, that's, it's telling me that that's important, especially as far as this kind of ET realm is concerned that if you want to really dive deep and really understand it if you don't have that strong inner connection with your higher self and uh, higher source then you're going to get easily manipulated and buffeted because the forces are very powerful so so that that was very interesting uh, for me that uh, yeah yeah, you know, and you know, I think you'd probably agree with me that Greer has awakened so many people, myself included, you know, millions of people to the deeper levels of what's going on. And he's got some serious flaws, you know, and he will acknowledge that he's an arrogant, you know, he says, I'm a silverback gorilla, you don't want to cross me, you know, and he's, he can really just be over, overbearing and dominant. But as he says, without that, he wouldn't have gotten to where he did. So yeah, well, it's really interesting. Yeah, I, I honor him for what he did. I mean, incredible achievements. I've had an ongoing debate with him over this whole thing of 
some extraterrestrials are evil and some are good and we've got to be discerning you know you've got to you pick and choose and and he's 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 saying no 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 that they're all benevolent and anyone that's yeah. describing you know beautiful uplifting human looking ets here to help us and kind of like these evil draconian reptilians is really performing exo-racism and that's bad and it's like wow it's he's like, one of the few serious ufo researchers who holds that opinion i think most of us but i i don't do the good and evil thing personally it's mm -hmm. there's light and dark and the the dark forces have their role in the grand cosmic play that they're meant to challenge us and so I wouldn't call it evil. It's like they're the ones who are injecting chaos and chaos challenges us because we tend to like order and being in control and chaos forces us to surrender and find something new. So I see value in the dark, even though there are certain things that to me, like child sex trafficking, which is much more rampant than most people would imagine, I would do anything I can to stop it. And I think it's, I think those dark forces go too far, and but it's all about stopping the behavior, doing anything you can to stop the damage and destruction. But they too are fragments of the divine, as the wingmakers would say. The, the the number one principle is seeing the divine in all beings, and recognizing that even even Hitler and Trump have this core divinity, and when we really drop in and can communicate with people on that level when you meet somebody that's that's when things really shift i know i have times when it, if i have a challenge communicating with somebody and they're really not getting it i just sort of stop and go in and i drop in and just communicate to their divine soul and mm -hmm. it, it's amazing sometimes the shift is almost instant it's oh suddenly the energy shifts and we can talk again yeah yeah well definitely there is a kind of yin yang thing going on here and I, you know, I always acknowledge that even even in the darkest what appears to be a very very dark soul that maybe has done lots of sra and has really closed their heart chakra and is full of kind of what appears to be evil that you know the light is still there and uh right. and and that that being uh is very unconscious of, of how the light uses him or her right. for achieving the higher agenda which is exactly what i think you're saying Right. And that's very true. So I agree with that. Yeah, in fact, no, there's... absolute evil and no absolute good. Like it's a yin exactly, yin. exactly. It's almost a dance of good and and bad or evil, whatever yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. we're all involved in. Yeah, well, I would... maybe I should I should should clarify there. I don't. I, I think I, I would correct myself there. I, I don't believe in absolute evil. Yes. But I do believe in absolute good. I mean, I've always felt that. I mean, uh, so I don't know if that's a contradiction or what. But I, but, I would call know. it absolute benevolence. Yes. That the, that the 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 core source energy is benevolent. Mm -hmm. In fact, I, I used to say it was love, and it's just love. But it's somehow for me, benevolence better captures mm -hmm. what that is, because it, that divine obvious is one who's creating all of this, including all the destruction, and it's exploring itself through all of us. And have you run across the uh, the hidden hand material? Oh yeah, definitely. Interviews? Yeah, that was very inspiring. Um, I've talked about it and written about it, but uh, you, you want to tell us what what you found uh, enlightening about the hidden hand material? Yeah, I found it very complementary to the wingmakers. And as I mentioned, the wingmakers to me is the deepest by far spiritual material I've ever come across. But the second most deepest, even though I find it flawed in certain ways, is the hidden hand material. It's called the hidden hand interview. If you go to wanttoknow.info, there's a search box and just typed hidden hand or hidden hand interview there. And you can find this fascinating material. And it basically talks about 
how the divine, how source energy, source consciousness needed to create this masculine, feminine, um, there's many ways to look at wave particle sort of dyad, but it also fragmented itself into all these different fragments. And yet the whole thing, there's this greater divine plan, even in some of the things that subjectively are evil. And I say subjective evil is real. There are acts that are just, I mean, the shooting in, in Texas, even though we of course may have questions about it, but there's an evil force behind that, but it's a subjective evil. And if you label anybody as evil or even label them as good, you're not seeing who they really are. And, and you know, yes, let's stop the destruction, but recognize the divine, beautiful divine essence, essence in every being. Yeah, I, I found the hidden hand material very instructive. And, and, and it's worth pointing out that the hidden hand material emphasizes the law of one material as well. So you know, it says that the law of one material, I think it said it was like 95% correct right. where it talks yes. about right. service to self service to other and all of that but one of the things i found particularly helpful in the hidden hand material was that i believe it identified 13 ruling bloodline families yes and yeah you know, that's been known for a while there have been a number of occult researchers that have confirmed that but it said that of those 13 i think it said i think it was 11 of them said 11 of those 13 ruling bloodline families have extraterrestrial origins and the uh, only two of them have human origins i'm almost certain that because i i read that every year i'll go through and reread it because it's so powerful just like the wingmakers i read a couple of times a year um i'm certain that actually all 13 are off planet mm -hmm. and they say that those are the, the on-planet ones the names that you know like the rockefellers and uh, morgans and uh, i'm blanking on the ones in europe <laughs> um Anyway, all of the Rothschilds, yes, that all of those families are not part of the original bloodlines, that they are being used and by the, those bloodlines, and they know they're being used. So um, that's the hidden. But you know, to, the level of detail we're talking about is only on the sixty-page version. The whole hidden hand interview, mostly, it's got some deep philosophy that's really good and some really great advice for relationships and how to live and, and exude more positivity. So I, I really like that. And then I, I didn't like the, the doom and gloom, oh, we're, you know, predicted uh, earthquakes and stuff in uh, San Francisco in 2008. And I, I read that even, I almost didn't continue reading when I first came across that stuff, but then I woke up the next morning actually and said, no, you have to go back and read it. And so I don't agree with everything it says there. But mm -hmm. there's some wisdom that I have never come across that is most profound and really uh, validated me that I was on the right path to kind of trying to figure out how this whole UFO ET thing, how the universe works, you know, and I don't claim to know the answers, but uh, I know a lot more than most people on this planet. Well, it takes me to one kind of elements in the Wingmakers material that kind of makes me ask a, a question. And, and that is uh, this journalist that interviewed the rogue scientist, Dr. Anderson. Now, in the original material, she's called Anne. I don't know in the revised yes. material if she's still called Anne. No, she's called Sarah, I think. In the, in Sarah, okay. So Anne or Sarah, is she real or is she a heuristic device? Well, you know, there's always that possibility that this was all written for a greater purpose of just educating us and that the story is not real. 
the whole story could have been made up. And that was the claim of the guy, once the website was started changing, there was a guy who showed up in jeans on the website and he claimed that he created the whole thing. And he continues to claim that today. So if you go to the new website, you'll see a lot about James. And um, so, so, but my own personal belief, I've just had enough, when, it, when I get information, I ask for independent corroboration, like from spirit, from the universe. And if it's real, I pretty much, I always get it often very quickly. And I've just been shown for my own benefit. I'm not trying to convince others that I think the story is real. You know, I, I have very little doubt that it was fabricated. And so I think okay, Anne so, was actually a real person who interviewed um, whatever Dr. Anderson's real name is. Very good. So, you know, this brings us back to this, to this change, to the original material changing sometime around 2002. And you have this um, person calling himself James coming in saying that he's the, the, the defector and that, uh, I think, well, actually, maybe you, you could explain that because Anderson uh, Maruda is identified as a defector. So is that James the Neruda? And, and of course, yes. Yeah, so is, is this part of the opting to, to kind of like come up with the explanation it all as a kind of creation by this person? Yeah, I think that what happened is that the people in the ACIO who are probably among the most powerful people on the planet as far as the level of knowledge and connection and influence that they have, that they didn't want this information out there. Uh, and they were very upset that uh, this guy defected. And so my I'm fairly certain, I you know, don't have proof of this, but I'm fairly certain that they put tons of money. You look at the wingmakers.com website, it's a lot of money that they put into developing this whole thing. And yet James, who showed up in 2001, when it was March 2001, when they it started changing, well, he was one of the first things that showed up and he was just claiming that he created the whole story and it was fabricated, but it was fabricated for a higher purpose, which again, I, I believe might be true, but how he changed it. And what there's many things on there here that he changed. It's like, wow, why would he change that? And again, it's all moving back to that hierarchical thing, moving back to we're going to be saved which is so antithetical. You just read the core philosophy of the wingmakers and it's all about moving beyond that. And yet the new website and James, it's all about, no, the Lyricus teaching order is gonna guide us back so that we can join our brothers and sisters back in the central sun where we really came from. Uh, yes, it's this quite sophisticated, all of the way it changed. And I have links up. If you look at the wingmakers changes, um, if you go into want to know that info and in the search box type wingmakers changes, you'll see um, I give links where you can actually go and look at past versions of the website all the way back to 1999, January 1999, I think is the first one. And you can actually explore yourself, which is what I did, how it changed over time and what was changed. And uh, I've got some links too to documents that show you the changes. There's actually one of our my supporters did a highlighting thing where he took the interviews and literally compared them and put up a document that shows the ones that are in pink are the original ones that are not included in the new one. And the ones in and the part that's highlighted in blue was included, stuff that was included in the new website, but it's not from the old website. 
And when you put it all together and look at it, which I did on that one page, you see, it's like, oh, it's shifted from being very peaceful, sort of empowering to now it's a war related thing. Um, it's changed from being all about equality for everyone to being this hierarchical order and many other significant changes. They even changed star distances. It's like, if it's just a story, why would you bother to change star distances? Which to me would suggest they didn't wanna reveal where some of these beings that were said to be from certain planets on the original website, they didn't want them to know that it was 15,000 uh, light years away instead of 15 million in the new website. Yeah, I think that's important that uh, we kind of like understand clearly what, what happened because in the original wing material, um, it talks about future events, more things being un unleashed or unveiled. Uh, but then around 2001, 2002, the, there's the, everything is changed. Uh, the wingmakers.com website uh, appears with all of this information from James and talking about this kind of like what are the, the central race, a, a hierarchy, which you know, very subtly, and I, and I think this is what we covered in our earlier communications, very subtly, it's attention away from going within yourself and finding what it is that's important to make these connections to looking outside of yourself. And, and that kind of does make me kind of like accept your Explanation happened that in fact the original wing and anchors material was correct that, that these were future humans reaching out to us to establish connection but then the cio the nsa realized the danger of this and wanted to squash that and then put resources into someone coming forward this james backed him with resources so he mean and just kind of like muddied the waters and now it's like People look at it and like, oh, it's such a confusing mess, and throw up their hands and walk away, which I, I, I guess kind of happened to me. I did it, yeah, yeah. And it happened to a lot of people, and, and I understand. But I, there's a way, just like uh, Anderson felt like he had direct communication. I don't have direct communication with the Waymakers, but I, I can feel them. And there's a way that because I feel somehow a kinship that I just have no doubt. But I'm, I don't need to convince other people of that. And one, another change that I'm sure you noticed too is it immediately became commercial and they started selling copies of the paintings and they created a whole book that now there's this whole Wingmakers book that tells a different story from the original one uh, that they're selling. And to me, that's another, because you know originally it was just about sharing this information. Yeah, I thought it was very empowering that, that original information, um, especially when they started talking about consensus, it talked about, I mean, people are familiar with the sixth sense, you know, intuition, but the you know, wingmakers talked about a seventh sense that was to be developed. Uh, yeah. So you want to explain what that is? Well, yeah, it's, I, I don't think they go into too much detail defining what it is, but they said that these people who are developing this sixth and seventh sense are going to play a key role and are already playing a key role in the transformation of the planet. And it's not so much through using words, it's through using artwork, music, and other things that they are creating uh, vibrations on this planet that are creating a shift. And so in my understanding, this is not Waymakers, but that there's, there's the dark forces that are trying to bombard us with certain frequencies and certain radiations from all these satellites and everything. And, and yet there's also this, this divine team that's here right now that is putting out a different vibration. 
And of course, when you have the darkness and the lights, you know, you, you light one candle in a room and the whole room is lit up. Somehow it seems like the light is more powerful, but the darkness has an important role. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I remember, yeah, as again, it, it's fresh because I just went over it quickly uh, this morning before doing the, the interview. Uh, the, the seventh sense described uh, this ability to uh, manipulate time. Oh, manipulate so time. Space. Okay. Uh-huh. And that that seven sense is a very important aspect of who we are, and of course it, you know, automatically raises the raises the issue of well, is it, is it talking about developing the seventh chakra as it's depicted in in Vedic Vedic um, mythology and 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 sacred texts, or is it talking about activating the the Merkaba vehicle that uh, Grunval Melchizedek has talked about? But essentially, I thought that was very inspiring very empowering yeah. that we, we have this ability in our consciousness within our dna within our higher self to manipulate time and space and we can become time and space travelers we don't need technology for doing that yes and you can even look at our dreams you know some dreams that become very vivid or even lucid and it's a different time frame there's a way that we're even time traveling in our dreams and somehow when we come back, we can still hook up to this linear lifetime that we seem to spend most of our time in, but who knows if that's really the case. Yeah, well, well we're right there. I mean, you have the explanation then for why it would be that people within the NSA or the ACIO would want this information, stop it from becoming too popular. Because if people started thinking that, wow, you know, I can actually... I'm a time traveler, space traveler, just by activating certain codes and certain um, information with that within my body and, and just kind of learning how to do that, that, you know, we will become like, like you remember that movie Jumpers uh, where the, the guy was able to spontaneously teleport. And, and that was an example of someone able to kind of activate these inherent abilities and, and being hunted by this mysterious organization that wanted to stop people from developing those skills so right Right. there you you have an explanation for why that the wing original wing makers material was was kind of hijacked or co-opted and this kind of false narrative was was put out through the wingmakers.com yeah yes you know i've known for a long time that they the the let's call it the dark forces don't want us to know how powerful we are they don't want us to know about all the parapsychological research that's showing how we are powerful. And they'll shut down many things. As you know, some of these healing modalities too, if they're too empowering or they're not gonna, they're gonna lose a lot of, big farmers are gonna lose a lot of money, they go in and shut it down. So the, the dark forces have a strong grip and yet the light force, if we focus on that, you know, we can choose to be in fear. This is why I say, you know, some people are, out there on the conspiracy theories, they, they believe and are living in fear that everything is fed to them. It's like, oh my God, you know, the our world leaders are all half reptilian and they have to drink freshly slaughtered baby blood in order to survive. You know, people believe that, but how does that serve to, if, if that's gonna cause you to live in fear and angst, even if it were true, how does that serve? And so for me, it's, it's about recognizing the darkness. Like I wanna know, that's why I have the website want to know. I want to know how it's working and what's going on. And I've got a pretty uh, 
I would say sophisticated understanding of how they are able to manipulate these things. Originally, I didn't. When I first um, started, um, you know, I didn't understand how all this stuff works. And it wasn't until I came across the mind control material that suddenly I was like, oh, now I can understand how they're using mind control to influence all this stuff and even to influence the UFO researchers movement and even they can you know, use mind control to create fake UFO images and all sorts of stuff to keep people confused. And yet if we Are stay you? centered in our spiritual center and really ask what I've always like, help me to see what's real, help me to see what's real and what's not. And I get that guidance pretty clear. Well, the, the original Wingmakers material, material talks about uh, a future where like 2023 is identified as a date when the seventh of the time capsules will be found now of course your question is well if if the seventh will be found in 2023 and the first was found in what was it 1993 97 oh well, yes it was found, you're, no you're right found earlier yes okay so so 93 so where you know when were the other five discovered and right. how, why weren't we told it's i don't remember was that in the interviews that you saw something about 2023 because i don't remember yeah, yeah I, that, that. Was, that probably was the interviews one of the interviews okay yeah and so the interviews just you know i don't take the interviews stuff as rock solid as the rest mm -hmm. because here what you have is you have that linguist speculating about what the wing makers were you know he had a good feeling for it but I, I consider the like the philosophy and the art and the poetry that that's the real bona fide stuff that is the most powerful. The interviews, I think they're great and really fascinating to read, but um, it's kind of like the hidden hand material. I don't necessarily believe everything in there because even Neruda was starting this. He was wondering if the wingmakers might have some sort of military thing, he, but it was him wondering that you'd never read anything like that in the wingmakers material about whether they're military or not. So I, I don't take the uh, interviews as being as solid and inspirational as uh, the regular uh, the rest of the stuff right and the original wingmakers material is emphasizing the creation of a unified global culture that yeah. can express the uh, divine creator or the prime creator in unique ways and and that is important for the kind of like evolution of our species and that seems to me to be kind of like quite contrary to the kind of push towards a transhumanist future where it's like, you know, trying to kind of like get people to buy into this idea that having technological implants is somehow going to help our species move forward. So, you know, what do you have to say about that whole debate about us developing a unified global culture, developing right. our unique spiritual gifts and abilities to move forward, as opposed to this kind of transhumanist vision that some are pushing. Yeah, well, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people are interested in looking at the big cover-ups and, and, and corruption, believe that this new world order is a really terrible, bad thing. And the way I've always looked at it is like, who's behind it? It's like, if we have some really wonderful, great people you know, people like Martin Luther King and Gandhi and stuff who are, are, are behind this global order, then it could be amazing. But if you have the dark forces kind of pushing their separation agenda, then, you know, you have World Economic Forum and that 
Yeah, I, I don't personally uh, like the transhumanist thing. It feels like there's something wrong with that. It's just, it's a gut feeling. Transhumanism saying that we're gonna merge with the machines and it's gonna make us into these superhumans and there will be a new world order based on machine human interaction. Um, and so, so, but you know, the wingmakers are also talking about a new world order, but it's just a totally different new world order that's nothing about technology and merging technology with humanity. So given that they were pushing this idea of a unified global culture as being critical for the future evolution of humanity, um, you know, what, what do you think kind of lies ahead? Do you, do you see our immediate future, like in the US, for example, I mean, do you see kind of more division, more, more kind of infighting between Republicans, Democrats, patriots, and liberals, or do you see some something kind of like coming forward to unify them all? Well, you know, uh, first I'll say I really don't know. I stopped trying to predict what's going to happen because I, whenever I do, it's like most of the time I end up wrong in predicting the future. I mean, sometimes I've been right, but um, I don't know. But I do have a trust and faith that the universe is benevolent. That's um, very deep. And it shows up in my life. And it's interesting because I find out the people who really come from a, like a fear paradigm and that's where they live, that's not the truth for them. But the wingmakers talk about how, how our beliefs create our reality. And so I'm choosing to believe that it's a benevolent universe and it showers me with blessings. And I'm telling you, my life has been incredible, incredible blessings. And it's not the kind you would think, but the, these deep spiritual connections and understanding, and even with people, the way I get to help people open to their own inner magnificence. Uh, it, it's just amazing. And yet I, I know people who just have that fear thing running all the time and you look how stuck they get. So me, it's, it's my own personal thing about the future is the future is not so important. What really matters is what we're doing right now in each moment. And yes, we need to look at the future and make plans and stuff, but it's like the most important thing is to get our own house in order. And because as you know, the, the sort of, uh, the agenda of the dark side is to push us further into separation. Keep pushing us, push us, so we're fighting and it's us versus them, Republicans versus Democrat, abortion, anti-abortion. Look at the, the news is just filled with ways to polarize us. And part of that is human nature loves to be polarized, loves to fight. There's a part of us that loves to fight. I, that came out one time when I was a teenager and started beating a refrigerator and something took over. It's like, oh my God, I have this destroyer in me. And it was like, wow, I think we all have this in it, maybe buried, but. So it's, it's not that, that that all is bad, but we have to bring it, I think if we really wanna enjoy life more and feel into the harmony, we have to acknowledge the dark side and learn to dance with it, that not, not let it control us. When, you know, when you're living in fear, you're letting the dark side control you. And that goes for a lot of conspiracy theorists. They're really in that place. That's why I love you, Michael, and there's a number of others that really research this stuff without buying into all the fear. Not to say that we don't have concern for the future. I do, and I'm certainly all of us have some concern for the future, but I'm not going to live in fear about it. So what is it you're doing now? And are there things that maybe my audience should know about if they wanted to kind of follow up? Sure. I mean, the best place is to go to wanttoknow.info, and you'll see there, it's just a treasure trove of information. You know, I've been working on it for 20 years, and there's, I don't know, it's well over like 50,000 web pages of material, and it's 
almost all of it is very well sourced, reliable, the links, and you can go look, you know, see that these are declassified government documents talking about what's going on. It's amazing how much there is that you can order. We even tell you how to order these documents, like the mind control stuff is absolutely mind boggling. But I also, I'm, I'm a, a mystic, I always have been. So I have on my own website that just has some of my mystical musings that, that people might enjoy. And that's at divinemystery.net. For me, there, this, we live in divine mystery. So divinemystery.net, articles like who created God? I love writing that article. It's the, the veil between the worlds and how it works and exploring all of these kind of existential questions. And of course, the, the ultimate answer to all the, to, for me, the, uh, the existential questions is I don't know. I don't know, but I know that I exist and I know that I'm choosing to enjoy this existence. Well, I know visiting your website uh, 20 years ago now, well, well, close to 20 years ago, you know, want, want to know.info, there's a lot of really uplifting material there. I remember it really was designed to kind of like get people to focus on. Uh, connections, the heart connection and encouraging that. And I think you're, you're doing great work. So I do encourage people to go and visit your website and kind of find out uh, more about what you're doing now, as well as uh, take a look, uh, take a dive into the uh, Wingmakers material. And I, yes. I think that's a solid foundation. And then and then you can kind of like um, judge for yourself whether the, the changes that happened on the wingmakers.com site you know, uh, really an evolution or whether it was a co-opting of what was really original and very creative and uplifting. Yeah, and I'll just add the, the waymakers.com website now, it, I was really concerned about it at first, but they've actually, I actually had an interaction with this James guy and he seems to have shifted and he really does seem to be coming more from a place of love now. So there's some really good material there. And I know people who've had their lives changed from going to the new website. So I don't want to totally diss it, but for me, and I think you sense this too, Michael, there's just, it's a really much significantly more expanded level that I feel when I read the old stuff. And I have questions, even though there's some good stuff on the new website, it's, you know, it's worth taking a look and some of the exercises there, I think are actually pretty good but just realize that it has changed and there seems to be a, a hidden agenda that is changing over time on the new website. Well, thanks, uh, Fred, for being on ExoPolitics today. Thank you, Michael. It's been a joy and a pleasure and I uh, hope people have some fun exploring. You have been listening to ExoPolitics today with Dr. Michael Sala. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this channel. Join or start a conversation in the comments. Take the time to explore the vast library of best-selling books, webinars, and podcasts by Dr. Sala. Visit exopoliticstoday.com.